As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. What constitutes a good slotting? How many players in the wall could stop a Gareth Bale free kick? Unexpected commentator accents for far-flung World Cup qualifiers? Are Ferrari the arsenal of Formula One? The pure Masters Football Six-A-Side lineup? Trying to pin down the vaguest word in football media? Some vintage Peter Drury at the Oki and an old friend visits Keys and Grey Corner. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 148 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is Charlie Eccleshare. Welcome back Charlie, how are you? I'm good, yeah, refreshed after a week off and uh, raring to go. Surprised you've still got the energy after the great slotted debate that you uh, fired up on Twitter over the weekend. Yeah, well no, I didn't fire it up. You and I were tasked with, with deciding it and I, th- I I actually said I thought it was too big a, too big a discussion almost for the Twitter Yeah, well, we'll take care of it. Yeah, let's let's bring David Walker in to to help us out with this one. How are you, Dave? Yeah, very good. I saw you were were at Leighton Orient on Saturday, the great stanchion pilgrimage. How was it? It was brilliant. And there they were in all their (laughs) glory. Yeah, lovely to see them. Right, yeah, but let's 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 nail this straight away then, Charlie. Slotting in a football context, mm. um, I feel like it's a very business-like thing to do. There's an element of composure to it. I think it works for one-on-ones when you sort of you're one-on-one and you you just you you tuck it underneath the goalkeeper as they're as they're diving out towards you, or or say a penalty where you just you kind of don't roll it into the corner, but you you dispatch it into the corner low can be off the ground but it has to be low and that to me is slotting yeah i i think the in the corner bit is important there i i, I feel like that naturally follows he's just slotted it into the corner and and yeah composure is definitely important 
you know, I think Harry Kane is a very slotty striker. It's it's a kind of no messing about finish. Dave, if I said slotted at home, what striker are you thinking of historically? Yeah, I think you're right in terms of one on ones. I'm just trying to think. Ian Rush was a slotter. It, it is a particular kind of finish. Like I, one on ones, I immediately I sort of think of Michael Owen, but he wasn't really a. Was he a slotter? Well, there was the whole debate. Was he a natural-born finisher, a natural-born slotter? I would say that slotting exists outside of the remit of a natural finisher. I think anyone is capable of slotting. It's not Mm. a particularly skillful act. It's as an element of composure, as I said, but it's it's not particularly sophisticated, I don't think. No, not sophisticated. On a one-off basis, anyone can sort of do it. But there there is something... It's quite an impressive finish, I think. It's tidy. It's tidy. Um, yeah, it's, exactly. it's probably one yeah. step up in terms of impressiveness from tucked. Tucking mm. is is just an efficient way of doing things. Yeah. But slotted is uh, there's a bit of a plomb, but not much. Yeah, because tucking suggests it's a pretty easy yeah. chance. Whereas I don't think slotting has to be. I think like a Frank Lampard could come on, could arrive late and slot it into yeah. the corner, sort of from Correct. the edge of the box, sort of Correct. distance. Um, my only other exposure to the word slotting is in hugely popular book Bravo Two Zero. Which and uh, slotting is the favoured term for shooting someone dead. You've slotted them. Yeah, that's weird. Doesn't seem to work. I mean, it no. works in, in in a similar way that the football one does, but perhaps not quite as violent enough as, as it ought to be. I like the fact you mention about slotting it under a keeper, like mm. through like through a keeper's legs or something. Yeah, you could it's, slot through legs, definitely. Because I think that sort of brings there's a slight sort of visual analogy kind of relationship with the idea of like slotting a letter. Mm. Through through the post box or through the letter box or slot. through a slot. It's kind of it kind of, you know there's yeah, through a, the yeah. slot. So there's a narrowness to it. It's like it could only just go into that sort of space kind of thing. It's a bit like a through ball or a slide rule pass. It's the goal scoring equivalent of that maybe. Mm. Um, international break of course. So let's let's kick off the adjudication panel <laughs> with some international. And can't you tell it? <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where should we do We're slotting? Where should we do slotting? <laughs> yeah yeah. Save yeah. it. Save yes. it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, let's kick off international matters with what I think must be the highlights of the international break so far. This is Gareth Bale's free kick against Austria. Various broadcasters wrestling over the hypothetical situation of how many goalkeepers you would need to stop that free kick going in. Let's hear Sam Ricketts' co-commentary on Five Live, first of all. 30,000 people in this stadium knew he was going to have that free kick. You could have 10 players in the wall, however many keepers, and you still wouldn't save that shot. Unbelievable free kick. <laughs> Unusual, Dave, to hear the wall brought into the equation. I mean, it, it seems to me that the number of people in the wall isn't going to make a huge amount of difference. You could have no. probably have 50. I think Bale's still going to get the ball over. Beyond five players, like maximum five players in a wall, because the, the people on either end are completely redundant. Yep. Ten That's players right. in the wall. Some bloke stood by the corner flag <laughs> going, oh, should have done better there. <laughs> He eschewed the um, standard number of goalkeepers in this hypothetical situation, Charlie, and just said, however many you like. There is no amount of goalkeepers that could have too much. It's too much, isn't it? It is too much. I saw, I mentioned this at the time, watched an old goal and the commentator talks about even if he was on a stepladder, he wouldn't have saved that one. And I wonder, I I feel like that's the only thing that that could have been added here. You know, as as many keepers as you want, as many stepladders as you want. Still not saving it. height, but then you you haven't got the uh, ability to move your feet, so... It's it's a give yeah. and take situation, a stepladder. Yeah, I guess you're just stood there, aren't you? Kind of in the, you in the exact rooted. spot. You are rooted. You, you really are rooted, yeah. <laughs> On Sky, co-commentator James Collins trod a similar path. He's looked a little bit off the pace early on, but he's come in and honestly, if you could have two goalkeepers in there, Bill, Dave, no, two of them aren't saving that one. 
<laughs> it's two for James Collins. That's a th- the threshold there, which is the standard, isn't it, Charlie? This would actually be quite interesting. You could do this as an experiment. Get a free kick specialist to take a bunch of free kicks. See how much it actually helps having two goalkeepers in there. Would it? Would it cause some confusion? I wonder how much it would actually help. If you don't do it, um, soccer AM will. Yeah. It could be like in um, yeah. like in, in okay. doubles <laughs> tennis, Charlie. When you know the old yours oh. And it just mm. all sails through the middle. Yeah, you dissect mm. both of them. Whilst almost certainly would still one of them would still save it, there is perhaps a small chance. If you get it right in the top corner, you, a goalkeeper can still be beaten on uh, on the side of the goal that they're standing in if it's particularly well struck into the top corner. So maybe, maybe yep. you can get away with two. Yep, but not if there's ten in the wall. I haven't factored that in, have you? Elsewhere... On that great night for Welsh football, Matt Lowton writes in, he says, I've got a threshold adjudication question. Bale was described on Sky after his second goal as everything he touches turns to gold. Charlie, what exactly does a player have to achieve to earn King Midas status? <laughs> Is it purely touch to goal ratio in a single game? Um, I think it's a bigger picture than that. It's not just it's not just about the game itself, is it? It's 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 a it's a wider thing. It might mm. be a run of form, or it might be a, the status of that player for that team. There's also as well, yeah, with that. Sometimes you hear everything he touches turns to goal. Yeah. yeah, quite a literal reading of that. I think you're right. It often is used in a broader yeah. sense. You know, he can do no wrong. His form is such, but it's probably possible that you can have it for. A one-off game that someone is just I don't know he's have he's just having one of those games but, mm, you know the opposite of it's being one of those I nights where it's just then it is in one of those games territories or one of those nights I don't think I, I think you're right one Adam. those nights maybe yeah. the Midas touch you need to there needs to be a more prolonged spell of things turning to gold to sort of prove that it is <laughs> not just a one-off I think I think it's kind of a deluxe version of that man or who else but yeah, it's like maybe the international you know equivalent of that. But then you throw in Bale's significance for Wales, given he is basically now just an international footballer. So I, I think he I think he might be the ultimate everything he touches turns to gold mm. player right about now. But let's see how that long that continues. Do things ever turn out really badly for these people, like they did for King Midas, when actually you realise it's a bit of a curse turning <laughs> everything into gold? Is, is, is there a downside for, for these players? Or does it just... You know, can you can you turn too many things to gold? In a well, that does sense? remind me of, of, the, of the largely innocuous phrase, um, he just can't stop scoring. And then someone on mm. Twitter pointed out years ago that, that you know, just the idea that, you know, you, you're volleying a sandwich into the bin or something like that. I, was, I just can't stop doing it. I can't stop. I have to score at all Gotta times. Kick this habit. If I see two upright objects, I just have to <laughs> smash something through the middle of them. Elsewhere on Five Live that evening, a wonderful mangling of a... Relatively autopilot football cliche. Sometimes it's Aaron Ramsey can pop up with the goals. Dan James is starting to to get his chances. If he starts putting those away, he needs to take over this mantelpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, it's easily done. You can see how it's happened. Yeah, um, the old taking the mantle. <laughs> take over this. No one knows what a mantle is. I think this is, might it, be the, the, the origin of the problem. Is mm. yeah, I was, that's what I was sort of thinking. There is mm. a mantle related to a mantelpiece, or is it completely? No, they are completely. Mantelpiece is spelled T E L. Yeah, mantle is T. I don't know what a mantle is. I don't know what a gauntlet is. I don't know what any of these things are. But what's funny that the taking over—it's not—it's not quite as simple as take. It's not saying like take up the mantle, taking over the mantelpiece. That <laughs> that does suggest you know you've had a bit of a discussion about the mantelpiece and it's mine. Shoving now. off all the family photos. Clear your stuff. Yeah, get rid of these. Oh. I'm putting my things on. A mantle is a loose sleeveless cloak or shawl worn especially 
by women. An import, or an important role or responsibility that passes from one person to another. I would never have guessed. I would assume it was some sort of metallic object that you know that you hold as the, mm. as the status symbol. It sounds like a baton, yeah. like they're kind of handing over mm. like the baton. So it's in a, a relay cloak race. of some sort. Women's cloak. Yeah. Well, yes, but also that I think that's incidental to the to the meaning of it no. being something that passes from one person to another. It's, it means both things. But in this sense, it's yeah, it's a figurative thing. Very you much could, so. of course, Dave, grab the game by the scruff of its neck. Because listener Sam Cooper writes in, Dave says, when commentators say someone needs to grab the game by the scruff of the neck, who do you think is the most grab the game by the scruff of the necky player of all time? He suggests Stephen Gerrard, Dave. He, he'd mm. be the person that comes to mind for me. Yeah. That was mine. Why? Because he would have those games. It didn't always go well for him. Sometimes he would grab. He would sort of grab the game by the scruff of the neck too, and much. too much. Yeah, exactly. In the famous, the, <laughs> he'd grab the, it the, too the well. famous yeah. game against Chelsea, where he just spent the whole game mm-hmm. trying to shoot from anywhere and trying to run the whole game. Similar performance to Beckham against Greece in two thousand and one. It's just running around, shooting, passing, trying to do everything yourself. Yeah, so, there, so there's a heroic kind of solo mm. aspect to this, Charlie, but it has to be a kind of emphatic physical thing. It's not, a, it's not a playmaker with a bit of skill. It's not someone, you know, producing a little bit of magic. That's not how game next scruff taking happens. It's funny, Dave, you, you mentioned Beckham against Greece in 2001. That is exactly the game I was thinking, the instance I was thinking of someone grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. That was pure just, I'm going to run around loads, I'm going to get on the ball, I'm just going to make stuff happen one way or the other. It's a very English football it's thing. Like carrying the ball forward unexpectedly yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just going on a charge Vertical. and, you know, and make maybe making some big tackles yeah. to win the ball back and then once you win it then exactly. driving forward that's but I like think, proper scruff I, I think taking. it's also like somehow popping up at right back the winning tackles in a place where you wouldn't normally be just demanding the ball wherever oh, you so are oh so you think you think game neck scruff taking can include defensive actions well, sort in, your, of. in your own third yeah, again, because I'm sure That's like special. there's been moments where even like like Rooney is just on a mad one, and, and he's who's like, back and, there? But Wayne Rooney, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but because also that ties into that cliche of like this crowd, they just need something. Yeah. They need something to get by. That could be a big tackle. Doesn't matter. Give them yeah. something. Absolutely. It's very much a proper football man kind of intangible, isn't it? No question about that. Elsewhere in the international break, um, one for our long-running intermittent series, Unexpected Accents for Far-Flung World Cup Qualifying Commentary. Here's the Oceanian section semi-final between the Solomon Islands and Papua New Guinea, which took place in Doha. Kalu now over the top for Solomon Islands, looking to use the pace of Leai. Leai, Leai bursting through. Leai, can he finish? Oh, we got to the near post. He's done it. 3 1 Solomon Islands. Leai on the score sheets again. The hat trick last time against Tahiti. He's carried on that good form. And he's scored in the second half here against Papua New Guinea. It's 3 1 Solomon Islands. Charlie, I'm making no comment here whatsoever on the standard of commentary this is that's irrelevant to the topic here it, that was massively unexpected it feels like it should be sort of rugby league what's going on it, <laughs> i just i don't know i had to say i don't know what accent i was expecting to hear but it wasn't that the accent i expect would be one of those guys who you used to hear maybe on eurosport or one of those sort of world feedy type mm. guys you don't you don't know their name but you know the voice that's yep. the kind of character i was expecting just it just amazes me how the the commentary industry works on its fringes so, um, 
Mate, you're going to be doing Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea on uh, on Saturday. Someone's um, got to do set. it. Yeah, no question. I mean, I hope he was in Doha at least, not I doing it off tube. Mm, no, that that was very. <laughs> that, that man was in a basement somewhere in <laughs> Stockley Park, yeah. Stockport, more like. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. Wasn't expecting that. A frequent offender has returned, Charlie. This is via Cameron Christie, who says Red Bull team principal Christian Horner has predicted an epic battle with Ferrari across the remaining twenty-one races of the season. He has described Ferrari. As a sleeping giant, I think that kind of it kind of works for Formula One because Ferrari haven't won the drivers' championship since two thousand seven. They haven't won the constructors since two thousand eight, and it's Ferrari, you know. So maybe they are a classic example of a sleeping giant. I wonder what the football equivalent of, of them is. A genuine sleeping giant. Arsenal. I suppose it is a bit, isn't it? Are they Arsenal? They've got a bit of prestige and history and tradition and also obviously the red around Ferrari. So I think Arsenal is probably quite a good And 2004 for Arsenal, the last time they won the title. Mm. So, yeah. But Christian Horner has history for this, of course, Dave. He was the, he was the man who said that um, their last few races of the season will be cup finals. So he yeah. knows what he's doing. I, I was, yeah, I, when you started that leading, I was concerned you were going to say that Horner had told us we'd got 21 cup finals yeah. remaining. Can't do that at the start of the Grand Prix season. Absolutely no. Saying that, just before we move on, I think we're actually, are we a bit too comfortable there in calling Arsenal a sleeping giant? Like, it doesn't actually, when I'm thinking about it now, I'm not sure that, I think that's mental, isn't it? Like, sleeping giants are normally like, in, mm. you know, in the championship or like, Arsenal are awake. They sort, they sort of are very much awake in a, in no, a way. This is good self policing. Yeah. This is this is yeah. important. Important to to pick us up on this. They're awake, but they haven't been doing it. They've sort of just been for a period of that kind of staggering around and doing yeah. a huge amount. They're but you're drowsy. Right. They're, yeah, they haven't been asleep. Is pushing. I mean, mm. Leeds were the sleeping giant. Oh, well, Arsenal in the doldrums. Time. Are they in the doldrums? They Ooh. were for a long time. Certainly, yeah, they were kind of. in the doldrums. I think now I, they're coming out of it. I think they've oh, been in let's it. not get hasty. Whoa, <laughs> you haven't done anything yet, mate. They've been in, they've been in a bad moment for yes. quite a while, I think. Doldrums is a short to medium term thing. Dave, I think you're right here about the, the time period. I think it has to be longer. You, it, it, probably 20 to 30 years, I think, is a sleeping giant thing. But I wouldn't say you'd have to be in the championship for this. Villa, for example, mid-table yeah. Villa could be a sleeping giant. They are too big, but Man United... Uh, I wouldn't go as far as Sleeping Giant, but they're in the doldrums. Oh, 100% in the doldrums. Yeah. They yeah. are yeah. kings of the doldrums right now. Can't think of a more doldrumy team, actually. But I, you also get like, and I think, you know, we could debate the accuracy of this, but you, but it's not uncommon for you to hear a manager take up a post somewhere in the EFL. And it could be for a team like Preston, Bradford, Bristol City and could call them a sleeping giant just because they're sort of big places or Everything they've won something in the 1800s. towards Premier League football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the facilities here, uh, yeah, the f- and the fans deserve it, of course. Yeah. The fans deserve success. They have been starved of success. For the long suffering long. Bradford fans. Yeah, yeah, too right. Well done, Dave. Good policing there. Um, next up, this is from Samuel Charlie. says, Sky are hoping to extend the contract of pundit Graham Souness, reports the Mail. This is one line from the report. The 68-year-old is well favoured as they hope to tie the former Liverpool and Scotland star down to a new deal. It's too football-y. Mm. doesn't work for pundits. I don't like I mean, it. Uh, I like the idea that pundits can leave on a Bosman. <laughs> Sort of hoover up one last big payday. If you develop a pundit over the first sort of five years, yeah, but they had to pay compensation. That's a really good question because that that must be really galling when you know they 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 see someone leaving and they don't they don't get anything. 
We taught least, him to yeah. use the touchscreen, and now he's just gone straight up to yeah. you. Disgrace. <laughs> the idea that you know, this could go even further, Dave, you, you could have something like it will keep the former Rangers player manager at Isleworth until 2024. <laughs> at Isleworth. Is, is Isleworth, is it as the place where they <laughs> play? The, yeah, that's yeah. Sky's HQ. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's got to be done. That's um, like, I suppose that's more like the training ground. Yeah, that's really. training ground, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. fine. That's kind of all right. Uh, presumably when he hits 70, Charlie, he's only allowed one-year extensions. Yeah, I think that's, you know, Sky's policy is very clear on that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. I don't know where he's going to go. I mean, I can't see... I mean, Sky's a very cushy gig, Dave. I can't he's, imagine really yeah. wanting to be a contract rebel he's in this situation. Part of the furniture, isn't it? You can't imagine... Even as soon as on BT Sport, on a Saturday lunchtime, wouldn't fit. I mean, there is always... We you know one place he might be welcome. Oh, <laughs> they don't like to talk about pundits of other broadcasters, though. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's on the car. You can see it, can't you? Their World Cup coverage. We know who we're talking about. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Speaking of legends of your Charlie, Masters Football. It's coming oh, yeah. back to our TV screens after an 11-year absence. The popular six-a-side event will include former players from Premier League giants Liverpool and Manchester United, as well as legends from both Celtic and Rangers in the newly launched 360 Sports TV Masters Cup. So it's back. How do you feel about this? Is it, is it a spectacle or is it something that you think in theory is brilliant and then you turn up and it's actually quite boring? Yeah, I mean, I remember what... Have... <laughs> sitting through some of it before in a kind of desperate there's football on I'll watch it kind of way I don't know has it had its day do, do, <laughs> do the youth of today want to watch that as, as, we, as we once did I'm not sure it's given us some great moments I think it was on that wasn't it the McAteer and Michael Owen had, had a big argument which was which was fantastic yeah. so more of that if there's aggro then yeah I'm, I'm up for it is it going to be on the old blue pitch the iconic blue pitch it is an iconic blue pitch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the iconic such a weird thing transparent walls because it's almost like they're playing it's all it's all it's like reminiscent of an ice hockey pitch isn't it really and then mostly are ice hockey arenas yeah yeah yeah. and it's such a strange thing because i've always wondered like you know five aside six aside whatever seven aside smaller side games are such a big thing you know so relatable everyone's played them at some point and yet you never really masters aside you never really it's never really been a thing, a marketable, televised sort of mass entertainment thing. Whereas, you know, you've got like rugby has got like rugby sevens. You know, there are, yeah. there are other sports that mm. have sort of different versions of themselves. Uh, you know, cricket or whatever, sort of 20, T20 sort of the same kind of similar sort of relationship. Whereas, but the Masters, it's like so weird. It's like, it's not five. It's not, why are you playing indoors on a blue pitch in an ice hockey arena? Sure. Get it down at Power League, yeah. 
Five, I would watch five aside, like legends at Power League. But then, but would that be shit? I don't know. Maybe it would. I be. mean, I think the whole spectacle, as good as it sounds in theory, Charlie, is undermined by the fact that you're never going to get the top pros doing it because the risk of injury is so high, and there's probably no space in the schedule for that sort of thing. So it's it's an, an over 35s thing, of course, the Masters. And even then, for various reasons, they just can't get the legends, and it turns out it's a random mm. bunch of players. Mm. Yeah. Um, which I think really does stretch. And then the you end up you end up with a situation where I've, I'm pretty certain that Ken Moncow score an unbelievable goal <laughs> once. I, that's that's the only thing I can think of when I think of Masters, and it's just like weird. That's one of the kind of mandatory elements of Masters football, Charlie, is when a massive ageing defender still does something that makes you think, oh my God, actually, yeah, they're all really good at football, like beyond anything that we can conceive. They've still mm. got it in their locker somewhere in the darkest corner of their locker. Ken Moncow can still put one in the top corner. The muscle memory is still there. Yeah. What's met Ken Moncow as well? Lovely man. Um, he but presented yes, it... me with an award at my under-11s football. Did he? Game. So he yeah. got around, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he was vi- you know, visible then, yeah. <laughs> visible now. I remember finding, I didn't realise I met him that he was Dutch and, and Oh. In, in my head, I thought he was. How did you think Dutch. his name was spelt? I, well, I just thought Ken. You know, to me, as a however old I was, nine year old, I just thought a kind of yeah, veteran Scottish <laughs> defender Ken <laughs> Ken McCow. Ken Moncur. Kenneth Kenneth Moncur. But it's, it does sort of descend into yeah, rather than a who's who, it's kind of a who's who of who happens to be available and often that's people who are already quite overexposed yeah you okay. know that we see we see them popping up and there was a sort of, anyway. there was a sort of quaintness to the masters as well wasn't it a sort of thing that you just as you say charlie maybe in the summer when there's no football on it would fill a few hours in the sky sports schedule it as you say not never really had the main stars it sort of maybe was a bit of its time mm. now I think you need to be more sexy now wouldn't you there needs to be more star power to it yeah I don't know what else they I can don't know do. if you can get that yeah, I don't know what else they're going to be able to do. Paul Michael writes in and says, can you give us the definitive Masters Football 6? What makes for a quintessential Masters player? So, a lineup of players who grace the Premier League. You can throw in a Scottish Premiership if you really want to. Um, I think Lee Hendry might be in a good shout here. But let's start in goal because, Dave, I think our goalkeeper needs to be of a certain stature these days but with surprising amount of agility. So anywhere in this sort of mid-50s. Oh, there's one. There's always one really, really old goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah, like, who's really can... out of shape. But I, I, I do wonder if like a Robbo might be... Paul Robinson. Might, yeah. might be available, you know, might be... Is, is he too Doha now, though? Is he, he transcended? Is, is Masters football a bit too humble for him now? Cause I don't know. I, yeah. Seaman wouldn't do it, would he? I don't think he quite no, would. they wouldn't get him. They wouldn't yeah. get Seaman. You, you, I, could, you, could, so you could... It wouldn't be beyond... I mean, it'd be absurd, but it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that Big Nev could still have a bash. Mm. Somehow he could still throw around that now even bigger frame around the goal. I'm pretty happy with Neville Southall as our representative. He is probably too old, but mm. like... He it, wouldn't play every game. He'd play one match or something. And it yeah, would be ceremonially. A, it, yeah, come exactly. And, yeah. and there'd be a big laugh. And yeah. I don't think he'd be up right. for that, though. I think he... Ian take Walker. Ian, Ian Walker. Walker was another name in my head, yeah. Well, because we mentioned I, Seaman a minute ago, but Seaman wouldn't do it. They'd get him like Vince Bartram. But yeah, Ian Walker. But I'm happy with Southall because I think, I think he, he sort of sums up that era. So in, in defence, we need someone who was quite classy, I think, but still in like remarkably good shape. Still very lean and mean. Mm. You could still do it. So who are we who are we thinking? Who's in their sort of late 
thirties, forties. Would Michael Dawson be the sort of bloke that's up for this? I think just that's retired. Likes yeah. a bit of a laugh. Still in good shape. Still looks after Some himself. Of course, Nick. Michael Dawson. Deadly King's knees aren't wouldn't, wouldn't that's the hold thing. up, would they? Yeah. Could could a jo- I mean would. another one with injuries, but Jonathan Woodgate might he might he be able to pop up? I'm still I'm thinking. Am I, I genuinely think we we should go older with this. Mickey Gray would be nailed on for this actually. Still in still in good <laughs> nick. Fresh Loves from our Doha from yeah. RBN Sports Eleven. Yeah, I think he. I mean, it's, I think the, I think the two things are very very much yeah. overlapping here. Well, to be honest well, with so, you. Yeah, Mickey Gray would be like, a, "You look sickeningly good, Mickey. Like, if you uh, yeah. you, you look like you could still do a job. Yeah, still play every now and then. Yeah, still play every now and then. Yeah, Mickey Gray. I've already written his name in, so there it is. Yeah. Neville Southall, Mickey Gray. Uh, midfielders. I'm thinking Charlie. I want uh, our kind of functional midfielder to be in the kind of Ray Parlour mould. Full of banter, on, but still clearly yeah. in surprisingly very good shape, and has has that traditional historical engine to offer. Jimmy Bullard's another one. Is I mean, obviously he's very very present and visible. Yeah. I don't imagine he'd be too hard to get, and and still could. You know, he would still score a spectacular what goal, and it would all be like. Bloody hell, Jimmy. I think Parlory is more likely to be found on this sort of scene because he's there for all of it. He's there for the game, but he's also there to catch up with his mates after the game. Mm. It's, yeah, it is sort of very play with a legend, this whole thing. Harry yeah, Groves. Ray Parlour, similarly. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He, he, he ticks all of our boxes. But so he's, who's got our... of, he's got the notoriety as well. He's like, genu- yeah. you know, he's a sort of genuine top level. Oh, he'll do player. the PR as well. Like, he'll yeah. be well involved. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Get, come along, guys. It'd be brilliant night. Brilliant night. Who's our playmaker then, Charlie? Who's going to produce this one single moment of magic where everyone stands up and goes, Whoa, Whoa still got Whoa. it. <laughs> <laughs> what a touch. Rolling nah, back the nah, years. Unbelievable player. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, Lee Waddle. Hendry, I do. Th- I, I think Lee Hendry is a squad player, maybe. I mean, I, I don't think he's necessarily dynamic, dangerous. Hendry and Parler can interchange. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Not, who's our real not... luxury player then? I mean, David Dunn, someone like that. David Dunn. <laughs> Yeah, that's as luxury as you're going, is it? Well, um, yeah, because I don't. You're not going to get like a Dennis Bergkamp, are you? No, but like I feel like actual, a tricky but, winger who's who's sort of now playing in slow motion, that sort of thing. Mendieta. Oh, maybe another another too, name from the from another, the sports eleven. Yeah, another being sports eleven. I think he's too too big time Ooh, for this. What about, what about JJ Okocha? It's not impossible. Mm. Not impossible. He's the real coup, isn't he? That they yeah. They managed to get him, and and he would. They, they'd there'd be a scenario in which he would do that skill where he flicked the ball over his head. In fact, wasn't was that on Ray Parler? I think Ray Parler was one of the people he did that to. So oh, they maybe could sort of engineer that again. Yeah. Little, little Janino. <gasps> Is he sort of around enough? Like I, I... Janino played for Brazil in the Star Sixes, which was that kind of World Ooh. Cup of um, legends, and I think it was at the O2 couple of years ago interesting the great thing about masters football charlie is that there's this obsession with like getting the big names in but it's usually the average players from back in the day who've just kept themselves in shape who mm. come in for them and realize oh i'm miles better now because i've just i've looked after myself and well so that is the thing isn't it yeah the, the the massive advantage that gives you if, if you are still in good shape you're going to absolutely run ring and it must be quite satisfying if you are someone who you know yeah wasn't the biggest draw Justice. on the uh, yeah, <laughs> this is what I could have done. So, who, so who's, who's going to be our striker then, Dave? It's a bit like the goalkeeper, really. That they're, they're they're kind of square now, almost yeah. like cuboid, <laughs> yeah. but um, but they've still got that finish. Like if you if you give them that one chance, they will bury it into the corner with the sort of force that you just will only ever see in the top division of your power league. Ricky Lambert, could he be? Yeah, oh. this is good. This is good. For some reason, the only name I had for this Charlie was Marco Gabbiadini. Interesting. 
<laughs> who is pure masters, I think. Yeah, yeah. Let's go a I'm, bit higher than that. Um, I was going to say Robbie Keane, but I think he's more soccer aid at the moment. I think he. Yeah. I tell you, who's going to be an unreal masters if this really does take off in the next two years? Jermaine Defoe. Oh wow! How good is he going to be? Oh at masters? wow! Yeah. He's too good though. He'd be yeah. unfair. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's always felt like his calling in a way, five-a-side football, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. that that whole get out of his feet, shoot into either cor- into the corner off either foot. I mean, he would be so so useful and impossible to play against. You could even see in in the same way, like big square bloke that could fit. Like I could see John Hartson turning up. Do you know what I mean? Like somebody who's not going to run around much, but is big, still big and strong enough to sort of handle himself and can just smash it in. But yeah, I, I think I think we're on the long along the right lines there. McCoist is postmasters, isn't he? I, think, I think he is. So. Yeah. It's a shame, real yeah. shame. But uh, yeah. Kevin Davies. Ooh, yeah. Okay, he's very yeah. masters. I can yeah. see him in a kind of mocked up Bolton kit with no logo on it. Yeah, he he feels really right. I like him. I'm putting him in. I think um, the the physicality would be because he you'd expect would given how kind of brawny he was as a player when he was in peak shape you imagine he yeah he'd be he'd be a unit now yeah not too long retired either so it's probably no. just about right i think you need an honorable mention for somebody like lee trundle mm. yeah sort of well, a novelty that, player yes yeah. lee trundle's very soccer am yeah and and in a kind of jimmy bullardy way would he'd have some mad skills but his, who would he play for? Because his team wouldn't be there, would they? Swansea aren't going to be there. They might, they might be in the sort of the Welsh section of the Masters. He did play for Leeds, didn't he? I think he had a really short spell at Leeds in like when they were in their in their in the doldrums, in their, really in the doldrums. <laughs> and they were squarely in the doldrums. No, Bristol City. Oh no, sorry, ten games on loan at Leeds in two thousand and nine. Don't yeah. remember that's, that. That's perfect because you often have these players <laughs> popping up for teams. You're like, did he? When did he play for them? They've just done enough to squeeze their way in. Because that's the thing as well. Because it's so retrofitting it to who's available. It's not like, let's assemble the best Leeds legends ever. It's who's available. Right, he can he can do a job for Leeds. I mean, Leeds would have some great options from that kind of Ian Hart team. You'd imagine there'd be loads of them who could fit in. Yeah, Trundle's a good shout, but I do like Kevin Davis as our striker. So let's let's run through our six. Neville <laughs> Southall in goal, briefly. <laughs> Mickey Gray as our defender. Ray Parler and Lee Hendry interchanging as our midfield engine. JJ Okocha, the real budget-busting signing. And then Kevin Davis, because they'll have a telepathic understanding, mm, of course, yeah, Charles. That's actually really well. Yeah. Big yeah. Sam as the manager. Who was actually How many very... times did we see it, that for yeah, Bolton, well. Charlie? <laughs> you know, we got tired of it by the end. Great stuff. Next up, Andrew Nichols has a question for us, Dave. He says, I'd much appreciate a definitive breakdown of the use of quality in footballing discourse. Its widespread deployment as a noun, often preceded by a bit of, is of particular concern to me. Dave, the word quality is one of football's great vague words because it's it's proper filler. It's it's a bit of kind of hodlesque thing that you just throw into a game that hasn't really taken off. They just lack that little bit of quality yeah. up front for me. They just lack that little bit of quality. I saw a great example of this recently when Roy Hodgson and his assistant Ray Lewington came uh, to Watford. There was the now customary sort of videos from training, first mm. day out on the training pitch with the lads. And you just had Lewington just barking, just... Oh, oh, yeah. set. Yes, just a... Sign up. Yeah. Good. Like it. Yes, well sir. done, sir. Yeah. Good quality. Let's get working. Come on, come on. Let's see some quality. Yes, good, good. It's. I think it's about just executing whatever mm. it is you're doing in the best possible way. But- 
quality is not something you can verbally extract from a footballer, is it, Charlie? So I really enjoy that story because it's just like, it's just something you shout, but there's not something that you could possibly motivate from someone, is it? No, that's like the joke, sort of, come on, be better. Just be a bit better. That is basically what you're saying. You know, and, and, and yeah, with that, the game just needs a bit of quality. Is like this, this just needs to be a bit better than what it is but it but it sounds as if you're talking about a specific quality for want of a better word you know a specific facet precision, of the game. It's precision in the yeah third, yeah isn't it? yeah yeah, yeah and that would make sense yeah they, they, they just need yeah they need to be a bit more decisive i, I think yeah. you're right to cite glenn hoddle because he very he he's really really hung up on the technical aspects yeah. of kicking yeah. footballs he's always focusing on that in his co-coms because obviously that was the sort of thing that he was best at it was mm. manipulating a ball is it that feet. lovely is it that lovely he's, he's, so, gr- lovely. he's so great great such quality a skill there strike his other thing though skill. as well which because he had is, is, is about having a picture he's got a picture which he really he really loves that <laughs> idea of, of these players who can see that you know that they they can see they can see it unfolding. That's what and all you, the great players have. Exactly. Yeah, all the great yeah. players have God. that picture in their head. Yeah. Yeah. He's well placed to comment on this, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And I think Whereas, it works for him. I may as well be playing football with with a blindfold on, really. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to that. Yeah. Never I mean, have a picture in yeah. my head about <laughs> anything that's happening. <laughs> oh maybe oh maybe I qualify there. I totally get it. Do you think you've got a picture? You see someone out see someone in the corner of your eye on a five side pitch, and then the, your brain does the rest. It constructs this re- alternate reality. This kind of virtual reality, and you know they're there, and you pass it to them, and it, and it reaches them, and you think, ah, oh, I've got vision. That's what vision is. Yeah, or what I love with Hodder would love me. The vision, the vision <laughs> is if, if you know, you just need someone to play the pass to you. You're like, let me play it because I've got the much better angle. <laughs> you, you knock it back, and then I can kind of flick it over off off my left foot because the angle's better for that. So we we've, we've we've discussed quality as this kind of vague filler term, Dave, but I do think it can be used in a specific context. I think set-piece deliveries mm-hmm. are a good example of specific use of quality. Quality balls into the box. Quality street, of course. Pretty much any corner that beats the first man, though, isn't it, Dave? That's quality. Yeah, just anything fast, whipped in with a good angle, I think. I also I, I also um, associate this word with Brendan Rodgers. I think he uses it quite a lot. In, to, he, he, but he uses it often in like the plural when talking about a player. He'll be like, okay. he's got great, got great qualities qualities that's the qualities you look for in a player yeah yeah that's okay that's all right that's that just means attributes i'm happy with that do we think it's one of those where (laughs) it's more about um that we talk more about the absence of it than its existence that that we focus more on the lack of they they just lack that bit of quality or they they're they're set pieces in the final third yeah off yeah almost always in the final third yeah yeah absolutely right i think you're absolutely right um next up after their 2-0 win over Sutton United on Saturday, Port Vale's club historian Phil Sherwin says they're now the only club of the 92 to have beaten the other 91 in a league game. Now, the only observation I have to make about this, Dave, is it just feels like it has to be Port Vale. Such a Port vale stat, doesn't it? Are they a sleeping giant? <laughs> <laughs> From the heyday, they had some great cup runs, I remember, in the mid-90s, did, uh, did Port Vale. It's just, it feels like this, this certain type of stat or interesting nugget is for the Port Vales of this world, you know... The only team whose whose letters in their name you can't colour yeah. in or something like yeah. that. It's just like it, it has it, to be. It will always be at that level of football. It will yeah. never be Manchester United. It's ever. It, it's sort of one of those stats that 
sounds immediately impressive, but when you sort of think about it in any detail, it all starts to crumble pretty There'll quickly. There'll be a boring reason for it, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's basically because they've been shit, so they've played loads of teams that have come up they've from knocked around non-league. Yeah. I mean, the only... Because Harlem like... Globetrotters of Port Vale. Because a top I... team wouldn't have been able to play Salford City or Barrow. There are only two clubs I can imagine rivaling them for this stat. One is Preston and the other is Notts County. I can yeah. imagine either oh, of those County. sort County. of ha- weirdly having that to their name as well. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Let's round off the adjudication panel this week with this from Joel Tucker, which is oh, superb. Maybe I should have known about it. Maybe plenty of people already do, but it doesn't matter. He says, I stumbled upon some vintage Drury watching the 2010 Players' Championship darts finals. <laughs> this is Paul Nicholson taking on Phil Taylor in the semi-final at the Circus Tavern. How big a man are you? Can you find it within yourself? Is this your greatest hour? Two at tens. One at fives. Extraordinary! Exceptional! Emotional! Charlie, it's so reassuring to me that the the cadence, the Drury and cadence, is still perfect for another sport, and um, it does work really well, especially after the final dart is thrown. Yeah, I mean, goosebumps. I I, I actually think Drury, the given his whole mantra is, you know, whatever the occasion, you need to give it everything. I feel almost the less salubrious the surrounds, and actually, you know, that's obviously a big thing in the world of darts. But what's the venue he says at the end? The, the circus tavern. <laughs> I just love that. Sounds. It's probably you know. I'm sure it's a very prestigious darts venue, but there sounds something quite low key about the circus tavern. But the Rosen Crown is on its feet. The dog and duck rises (laughs) as one. He, yeah, I think he would give it whatever it is. The kind of respect. Every dog and duck has its day. Every dog and duck. Um, there was the alliteration in there, Dave, which he, which yeah. he snuck in there. He snuck in the joy unconfined. Yeah, the, and I'm the, sure he's used that one again. Yeah, I'm sure I've heard that again. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's quintessential Drury. Yeah, Charlie, he loves a <laughs> noun and the adjective, the unorthodox way round. Brilliant. Yeah. The also Brilliant. the instruction to the uh, the viewer. They're going to try wiping his smile off that face as if we would. Joy unconfined, Dave. Makes you think it would be great to hear Peter Drury read out the index of a book. But yeah, dance Drury. Not something I'd been conscious of before, but I'm, I'm yeah. delighted to hear Didn't it. Didn't know he did the darts. They should get him back on. He needs yeah. to become. He needs to become like a Barry Davis figure and just do as many sports as possible. Yeah. Imagine him at the Olympics. How good would Drury yeah. be at the Olympics? He genuinely would be a, like the equestrian or something. Some there would be a few sports I can't picture him doing. He's too. He's too much for golf. Snooker. Yes. Um, snooker. Yeah. Like horse racing would be too much for him. There's not <laughs> enough time. There's too much going on for him to yeah. get in all the big words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't want to just be spouting names of horses for 30 seconds. He wants to put some uh, poetry in there. 
This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Let's finish with a fleeting keys and grey corner. Of course, it's international break, so they're they're off on their holidays. They're not in Doha. They're doing their podcast via Zoom, which Keys found amazing, by the way, Charlie. He just couldn't. Oh, yeah. He, 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 he's the last person to realise how good Zoom is for communicating with other people. So that's how that podcast started this week. But yeah, here is indeed the Richard Keys segue of the week. Boris Johnson has his way, as you know, as I've just mentioned. Let me tell you, to quote your, to quote your, you slightly earlier on this podcast, take your daft ideas, Boris, and do one. Uh, Peter Reed's on Instagram. <laughs> I know, I saw it. <laughs> thought I'd mention that. Uh, Vegas as well. Peter Reed, who? He's in Vegas. He's in Vegas. He's in Vegas. I think he gets got back yesterday. He was in Vegas for the last 10 days. How does he, he get around that boy? I, I have no idea. Reedy in <laughs> Vegas. If that's not on BBC Four by the end of this month, I don't know what. It's like Ten Michael Portillo days. on trains. Reedy Ten in days. Vegas. <laughs> Reedy in that's, Vegas. That's a big shift in Vegas. Yeah, that is a proper Reedy. shift. Peter Reed's on Instagram. Reedy's in Vegas. He's on Instagram, so check him out. Can I offer something harking back the week before last and Richard Keyes' uh, steak au poivre uh, <laughs> offering to the canon of the cooking world and, mm. and Adam Nathan who's a, a listener of the podcast and a friend of mine uh, is a professional chef right and he <laughs> he took it upon himself to kind of in, investigate how Keezy's recipe would play out if you were to actually <laughs> follow it to the letter and I mean Keezy's amazing he's kind of the opposite of a polymath that like, he manages to offend and get wrong in such a range of topics and, <laughs> and, and this is what Adam had to say about Keezy's steak au poivre. First of all, he says, I think it's maybe the worst recipe I've ever heard. And he says, firstly, unless he's clarifying the butter, which doesn't sound very proper football man, the butter will be burnt before the steak is in the pan. Interesting. Then then during cooking, the mustard, pepper and garlic will all be burnt within about a minute. The dishes... (laughs) The dish is made by searing the steak and then making a pan sauce with onion, garlic, wine, stock, cream and peppercorns during resting, not just thumping it all on the steak in one go and cooking it at the same time. 
Adam continues, the end result of his dish would be a black steak because of the mustard, garnished with black pepper, burnt to black slices of garlic with a burnt black sauce poured over the top. Delicious. And sorry, I've forgotten to add that the steak for Kesey would also be dripping in blood from resting it directly onto the plate. <laughs> he finishes by saying, we've not even discussed how, given the steak will be medium rare, the dish will be neither hot nor with no real chili, spicy. That was uh, a reference to Keezy saying how much he enjoys spicy food and that the peppercorns uh, will deliver that. So oh, We've demolished it. We've absolutely demolished it. Keezy's culinary taste may well have improved in the intervening mm. 30 years. We did also talk about Adam going as far as actually cooking this, following the recipes in the letter and, and seeing how this would look. But uh, yeah, we'll have to wait on that. He's got better things to do with his time, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, you, you're joking, Charlie, here, but I do fear that after all the keys and grey chat we've had over the last few months on this podcast, this could be the one thing that finally gets him in touch with us and says, actually, no, yeah. you Reed, haven't tried it. Reedy described it as the best steak <laughs> he'd ever had and he's been to france i could imagine myself on a zoom flanked by keys and gray saying actually it's a really good way to cook a steak uh, but yeah thanks to adam nathan for casting a professional's eye over one of the most famous celebrity recipes in that book david walker thanks to you for joining us for the adjudication panel this week thank you thanks to you charlie thank you and we'll see everybody on thursday bye the athletic